0: That was really great. I really appreciate all the extra effort. The choir and everybody took to put that on. Just great songs. And it really goes with our theme. I'm not sure if it's still showing but the, uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day had been extended so you might check the Regal and B&B cinemas if you want to go watch that. It's a great movie and it's about the story of, of the origin of that song. It's really pertinent to it. I think I kind of scared some people today because I have 85 slides. Because on the Rodney Dangerfield Youth Ministry, or Ministry now, it's my youth ministry. Half time, but, um, you guys are yapping if the sermon's too long, you're yapping if it's too short. And so I tripled it this time to make up for last week. So we got 85 slides. So, yeah. That scares you all. Those 85 slides, I'm reading some sections of scripture. and It doesn't mean we have to put them all up there, but we're going to. Uh, we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 2, and you might be saying, we're doing Christmas, but I'm asking the question, can we have peace on earth? And what we ignore is without knowing Genesis, there's no reason for Christmas. And next week, we'll get into the, con- the connection that um, I've been talking about, the fact that last week we talked about familiar sound. This week is a fallen sound, the sound that the bells uh, re- reaching out on peace on earth have made and the causes of that. And then we'll look at a future sound and a final sound in the next couple of weeks. And so hopefully this will help you. And we can, can we really have peace on earth? And like I said today, we're talking about the entire sermon is the fallen sound. And you look around and I'd say no. You know, and that's why man is struggling so much is they're trying to find peace without God. Let's just get real. And the lyrics of the of the song talk about for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will towards man. That's pretty true. We wrote that the civil war was going on and it still hasn't changed, and we're gonna talk about mocking peace on earth. We have a choice, we can ignore the sound, the familiar sound we talked about last week or the fallen sound we talked about this week, or we can heed the sound. And your action step, making sure you get it, Jackie, is heed the fallen sound. And I'm trying, all the points for the, this four week series will spell out the word bell. B E L L, so they'll spot that. We need to ask the question what happened? Why is this not true? They don't have to roll all the scripture. If you You don't have your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 2. And I'm actually just starting in verse 4, but I'm not going to read it straight through. But I'm going to go back and talk about these things, and you can this week. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there was a Then there he placed the man he had formed. And the Lord God caused to grow out of the gar- ground every tree pleasing in appearance, good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it, to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make, I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild, Uh, animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept and God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And then the Lord God made made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is at last. Is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh This one will be called woman For she was taken from man Kind of interesting If you want to do some weird trivia Woman Was Eve's first name He didn't call her Eve We'll get into that He said he saw her and he goes whoa, man. Woman no, <laughs> Yeah Okay Let's go back and look at some things. So, verse four, the records were made, and in five and six, God provided, He prepared, He watered, and the place was called Eden, and that word means delight. So, it was a place of delight. Every, it was paradise. It was all good, and it was a place of peace. you Go to verse seven. Then He makes man. And he gives him life and. In Genesis 127, he's made in the image of God. I love animals. That animals are not on the level of man. And Genesis 127 says that. And I encourage you to go to Romans chapter 1. And what is happening, whether it's animals or the earth, we're worshiping creation over the creator. You are made in the image of God. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. But Jesus came to die for you to save your soul because it's eternal. And man turns it over. We are made in the image of God. Verse 8. He planned the garden. He placed man there. And then verse 9. He plants a tree. And he says you can eat of every tree except the tree of good and evil and the tree of life. And we'll get into that a little bit. And because then they would have the knowledge of good and evil and you might say, well, what's wrong with that? We'll get into that in a little bit, but man didn't have to go anywhere Man was innocent Everything was provided for him It was Eden. it was a delight You go on to verse 15, God places man in the garden God gives him a purpose to work the garden, but it's not really work, it's worship He's the caretaker. He's in charge of naming the animals. And he figures out one of these things is not like the other. And it's like everybody else has got a mate, but there's nobody for me. And God cares enough that he says, hey, we need to provide man with a woman. Two aspects of God that complement each other. Guess what? They're different. I am not being controversial or political. This is physical, natural. Men and women are different. And so, therefore, they're made to complement each other. This is not a bad thing. This is not a mean thing. This is a good thing that God created. 17, but it, he said, don't eat of the one tree, the tree of knowing good, the tree of knowing evil. And he said, well, what's wrong with that? Well, we don't know because we weren't like Adam, and we weren't innocent, and we were born into sin, and we've always known good and evil. Isn't that awesome that they were innocent, and they were just in a relationship with God, and everything was provided for them? But he said, if you eat of this, you will die. There'll be loss of life, there'll be loss of innocence, there'll be loss of peace, and this is why we have no peace on earth without God. Verses 18 through 22, he gave man, like I mentioned, a mate. And the result is, it's all good. It's a familiar sound. It's it's harmony. I talked about the string theory and that God spoke things in existence. But there's harmony in relationship. There's harmony with fellowship and worship with man and God. Peace on earth provided by God's grace, his provision, his protection for man. Don't you wish we could have stopped there? This is why heaven looks so good. And Jesus' return looks so good. Your first step, if you're going to heed the fallen, sound, we have to understand before the fall, there was peace. That's the peace we need to be aiming for. Not heaven on earth that man creates, but heaven on earth or heaven where heaven is that God creates. Because there'll be a new heaven, there'll be a new earth, there'll be everything that we enjoy here without the curse of sin. We go on to chapter 3 verses 1 and 7 I'm going to read Now the serpent was most cunning of all the wild animals That the Lord God had made And he said to the woman Did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden And the woman said to the serpent We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden God said you must not eat it or touch it Or you will die No You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. And so she took some of its fruit, ate it, and she gave it to her husband, who was with her. Guys, spiritual leader of the home, Eve gets the fault that Adam was right there. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew. They knew they were going to say it right because of broadcasting school. Naked instead of naked. Naked. You don't wash your clothes. You wash your clothes. That's what broadcasting degree taught me. Yay! Okay. Naked. Okay. All right. So, so they sewed the fig leaves together, and and made coverings for themselves. Let's look at Satan's strategy. Here. Since you all liked your short sermon, I'd already had this one written. I went back and did a little bit more research. Was he really a snake? Yeah, okay, but it's like Satan is the angel of light. He was an archangel. You can look through here at one time. The angels had free will. Satan was at the top. He was in charge of music and all these things, but he wanted to be greater than God. And he was cast down, and all the angels that were with him were cast down. A third heaven. They're created. He's more powerful than any of us. He's not more powerful than God. And so Satan can take very many forms. And we have to ask the question, why did he put him in the garden? Because, guys, I want us to understand this. We need to understand God did not make you a robot. God did not say, I'm going to make humans to be this doll. And every time I pull the string on the back, some of you that are old enough... Some of those dolls were freaky, and when they get older, their eyes don't go back and forth much, and they just roll in the back of their head. You can Google that, but some of those old dogs are, the dolls are freaky. Okay, Then you would pull the string, and they'd say, I love you! How's it going? Whatever, okay? But here's the deal. God didn't design man like that. God designed Adam with the choice to choose to obey him or not. And so, therefore, it's going to blow your mind Dick. God... Did God create evil? No But God had to create The possibility for man to choose evil If we were going to have free will And so therefore we know Satan Will be routed we know God Is not mean but there are tests That will happen and things like that To see are you going to Follow God or not He gave him instructions Satan's there And so he, He was created a choice He had lost that choice and so we see that in verse 1. And he's more cunning, obviously deceitful. He's the angel of the light. And then you go to verses 2 and 3. So he uses deceit and he uses doubt. So in verses 2 and 3, he said, did God really say that? Guys, this is Satan's main strategy is doubt. Because in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan said, you know, trying to get uh, Jesus to doubt, Jesus said, God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't care what time we're living in, the devil will always try to say, can he really mean that? Can he really say that? And I just read a section of scripture that God said that he created man and God. And look at the day that we're living in. That on record, according to society, there are 50 million genders. If you go back to Genesis, there's one And so This is what Satan does Did God really say that? And then he goes to this Did God really say that? But did he really mean it? He's saying this to And so he creates that And look at her response in verses 2 and 3 His response, that's what God said That's what he meant And then he challenges it Notice, I kind of tried to use uh, inflection On it, but In in my Bible, verse 4, Satan says no explanation point. He's adamant against God's absolutes. And he challenges and says, no, he didn't really mean that. Is that familiar in the American church? This is debatable. Things that we've followed for years are suddenly debatable or cultural. We're not talking about hairstyles. We're not talking about the concept of modesty. We're talking about hard truths that don't change the god that says he's the same yesterday today and forever and then satan twists it and that's what he does he says if you do do this you know that god knows that you're going to be like him and you're going to not you're going to know good and evil Boy, i wish we could go back to there some of you remember christmases and things will bring you to memory you know and my wife and I go back and forth. I like the sound of an old record player and that sound, but she did not like the static. But I remember listening to those old records at my grandma's going to sleep on Christmas Eve or whatever. And, and then there's there's certain smells that are nostalgic and you know that innocence that of a child. Adam and Eve had that. <laughs> there's a benefit from not knowing good and evil. You're innocent. I want us to understand if you go back this week and read chapter 2 God said that the fruit was good and it was good to eat and was pleasurable to look at but notice how Satan twisted it in Eve it's like she saw that it was good she saw that it, she common sense hey this will give me some cowards and then I want it I want that wisdom even though I don't understand what's going to happen and so, in verse 4, we see the denial, and, and verses 5, the dishonor, not following the word God and being discontent. He was like, I want this. Your next villain, he the fallen sound, means realize evil has a plan. John ten ten, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. <clears throat> evil has a plan. And the plan is this, if you don't know Christ, Satan wants to keep you away from receiving Christ, so you can be in hell with him. But if you do know Christ, He wants you to water down what you believe, and He definitely doesn't want you to have to go and talk to other people about Christ. And He wants to set you on the bench and make you useless. And his plan is John ten ten. He comes only to still kill and destroy. But I like the last part of that that He God comes that we may have life and have it abundantly. Sometimes I forget Satan has a plan. Sometimes I. Forget that ah, nobody pays them. Well, you're the pastor, I'm sure you're on his hit list. Well, guess what? You are too, Christian. But here's the deal: sometimes I'll be with people that God has put me with, and like, hey, they seem okay with me, and I can say whatever I want and all this kind of stuff, and then I suddenly they're away, or this, or that, and I thought, I gotta remember Satan doesn't want me around them. That he has a plan to take them to hell and eternal punishment with him. He's got a plan. Genesis 3, uh, 6, the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food and delightful, and looked at it, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, and she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Again, the passion of her wants. Look at this. A lot of times we don't need to be looking at stuff. We need to divert our eyes, we need to change the channel physically and spiritually need to get out of that and flee that temptation and she saw the tree that it was good for food so notice how this every sin begins with the thought so the practically it is fruit it's fruit god made fruit so why shouldn't we eat it okay so check and delightful look at it's not bad fruit it's not misshapen fruit It is actually really good-looking fruit. It's not bruised. It's just ripe. It's ready to go. It'll it'll give me calories, all this kind of stuff. Common sense stops at a point with God. Obedience is the starting point. It's good to eat. Looks good. I want it so I can obtain wisdom. More. More. So looks good. The pride, I want it, I want that knowledge. And then the proselytizing. She didn't just stop with, I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna get others to do it. Sin's that way, it's funner when you involve other people. And the men may be thinking I'm picking on them, but God, part of the difference is men and women, no one's better than the other, but the husband and the man is supposed to be the provider and protector, and the woman has those nurturing skills. It's not that men can't be nurturing, but God designed us different to complement each other. And the man is to be the spiritual head of the home. It doesn't mean that you don't have your own relationship, but Adam was right there. And Adam was quiet, and it gets worse when we get into what happened in the punishment. You go to verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked.
1: Okay, so they sewed the
0: fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Loss of innocence led to them trying to cover their shame and fix it themselves. It doesn't work. I'll cover up my shame. Now I know what shame is. didn't know what shame was before. Some people should refigure figure out what shame is before they go out in that outfit. But we won't get in that. But Genesis uh, 3, verses 9 and 10, so the Lord God and so now, we're going to see what happens. So the Lord God called out to man and said to him, where, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Okay. The sound of God. They would walk with God. This is Jesus showing the Trinity right in Genesis. The calling of peace, a familiar sound. Hey, it's time for our daily walk. It's time for our fellowship. In this place of delight. And notice he's calling out also for repentance. Where are you at? God knows exactly where you're at. But yet we try to hide it, and we try to hide from him. We try to hide from everybody else. That's one thing. But this is why I try to get really real with God, because he knows where I'm at anyway. And what good are we doing? It's like when you're playing hide-and-seek with a little kid. And, and they're they're trying to look, stand like me behind here, like they're tall enough. It's like, can you see me? You got to fake that you can't see them. Sorry, kids, we're faking it. Okay, we can see. You, you need to hide better. Okay, but here's the deal: as you get older, then there's places people can hide. What are you doing in that muffler or car? I don't know. But here's the deal: we do that with God. Can you see me? Just because my eyes are covered, God can't see me. You got to get real. But notice what's really sad. You go to verse 9. So the Lord God called out to the man, where are you at? Verse 10, he said, I hurt you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. Man's response. He covers himself. He tries to cover his shame. Then he tries to hide himself from God. And now he is afraid of God. The fear and respect from God that he talks about in the New Testament. Why do we fear man that can just end our lives when we need to fear God that can both damn soul and spirit and body to hell? Wasn't the fact of being at this point there was no redemption? That's next week. We'll talk about that. The future sound. The fear. C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Great Divorce There is but one good, there is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. Read that again. There is but one good, that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him, but bad when it turns from him. And that's exactly what happened here. And that's the life in the pit of hell. Yeah, everything God made is good, but man messed it up and Jesus has to redeem it. So the great the reckoning we see in verses 11 through 13. Then he asked Who told you that you were naked? They're using that word a lot, man Did they eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from and the man replied? No, nope. I want to do it in slang. That woman you gave me to be with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it How sad is that? Adam is not being a real man. And he's the first man and he's not setting a good example He's basically saying, God, it's your fault because you gave her to me, and it's her fault. So the Lord God asked the woman, "Uh, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Well, they're getting back to the start of it, but they all have responsibility in it. And so God is calling for clarity. He's calling for them to confess. And Adam's being a coward, and, and they're playing the blame game, and there's no peace until we reconcile our part and our ownership. And then they ask the woman, and she blames the snake, and they all have a part in it. But your next villain, part of heating the fallen sound means we must, look, we must look to your responsibility first. Yeah, I'm the pastor, and I'm responsible for what I preach to you, but you're on your own as far as when you answer to God. You're responsible for your story. I'm responsible for my story. It's not going to be what they did or what this person did. He's looking at you, and we have to answer for ourselves. And if we're going to heed the sound of the fall, and this is the problem we're having, is nobody wants to look to their responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. What happened? Let's look at the result of the fall. In verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you're accursed more than any other livestock more than any wild animal you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he will strike your head and you will strike his heel and his he said to the woman I will intensify your labor pains you will bear children with painful effort your desire will be for your husband yet he will roll over you and he said to the man because you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree from which I commanded you do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from uh, from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. I hate thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you have taken since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. Wow! No peace in nature. You see that in verse 14. You you see hostility. Uh, the fact of I don't I don't want to get into it, but it's like you know whatever form we got to start thinking about this. I know how most of us feel about snakes. You spider people, eh. snakes that's that's a different story. You know that's just nasty. Okay, um, but um, we know how we feel about snakes. Most of us are smart enough to realize I'm not going near that. Okay, and there's a reason. At one time, maybe snakes walked upright. We can't even think about that because most of us don't like them or have a healthy fear of them and that is from the fall. It's hard for me to believe that when God makes everything right we know there's going to be animals in the new heaven and new earth that the lion will lay down with the lamb that there will not be any of this feelings that we have now. So Satan may have taken the form There's there's two things that are happening here whatever the snake looked like before it's now on the ground. And it's something we're not going to watch And it's adversarial But Satan when we talk about what's happened to him That word eat the dust Is both physical and spiritual Yeah the snake's down there in the dust But it also means That they will eat punishment Talking about Satan And so there's a spiritual and a physical And both of them are cursed And we see that creation is cursed And then we see in 15 That the, there's no peace in creation In 14 there's no peace in marriage. You can go to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. And both of these are forms of love, but men and women are different. Men want to be respected, and women want to be loved, and both of them are loved. But we're different on how we receive love. What happens with this dad? The older we get, the funner we are. Now can't do nothing, you know, or we just want that respect. And then you've got, we're in 2000-whatever, 22 and women are just now making advances and being treated the same, and there's nothing wrong with that because we know in, in God's society there's neither Jew nor Greek nor man nor woman in God's eyes were the same, but yet different and complement each other. But the reason there's been struggles and women have been abused and all these things happen right here And that they would have worked together. And those of you that have been married long enough, it takes you and your spouse and the Holy Spirit and every day to work together. Can you imagine a garden? You wouldn't have had those struggles. And now the man's desire is to rule over the woman and he's physically stronger and all these kind of things. And and this is part of the fall. No peace in marriage. And then pain in life. No peace. I, I mean... Like I said, childbirth probably would have been a little hiccup. Oh, I burped and I had a baby or whatever. But you women, that would probably be a line to smack Eve, you know? Those of you that had your 20-hour births and, and you barely got the kid here. And I'm not making money. But I'm just saying some people have stories. And the thing about it is, is uh, there may be a line to smack Eve, you know? It's like, thanks a lot, sis. But, you know, that physical pain. And then in marriage. And then in work, you're going to work for that food, and you're going to work hard. And there's nothing wrong with work. He was doing work in the garden, but it was worship. And God was providing, and it was it was usefulness. But now it's to get by. And it's not just that. The ground's not going to be that easy to work. And guess what? There weren't weeds. And I talk about my nemesis, the sweet gums, but it must have been some form of candy. Everybody's talking about questions you're going to ask in heaven. Some kind of that. I might ask God, hey, was sweet gum and candy before the fall?" I'd like to know because, okay, anyway, that's not going to matter. But you see what I'm saying? Thistles. Anybody that's worked on a farm and you've got the job of clearing thistles before they sprayed or cut, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's OCD about thistles on their farm, not saying my, my wife's family was, but they were, you had to walk around 600 acres with a trash bag, cut the heads off, make sure you didn't get it didn't blow away, and get them into that plastic sack so they get killed. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't like thistles, and that's because of the fall. Think about it. Got to work hard just to barely eat. I'm going to have obstacles in my way. Not good. Let's look at the results. So now they've got all this loss in relationship. They've got this loss, and we're going to get back into chapter 3 next week when we talk about the future. now. But then let's see the result in verse 21. The Lord God made clothing for skins for the man and his woman, and he clothed him. The Lord God said, since man was become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out and take the tree of, of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And he drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. How hopeless is that? They know good and evil. And God's like, if they eat of that tree of life, then I'm going to have this creation here that knows good and evil and doesn't have to choose me. It's not that God couldn't take them on, but he's going to be dealing with this eternally. And so no peace. The first sacrifice we see here animals that you know we all love to hunt and god sanctions that and we're to take care of those things and be good stewards and conservationists but at this time it's going to hurt some of us i didn't say now but at that time men were vegetarians because god was providing nothing We've been killed but didn't have to do that and it's all okay to eat meat before you all jump on it because we know that further in the bible but they didn't have to do any of these things. But these animals had to be killed. The first sacrifice didn't cover their sins. It covered their physical shame. We'll get into that a little bit more next week. But So it has to be sacrificed. In verses 22 and 23, there's a broken relationship. And then the reason he kicks them out is because he doesn't want them to live forever like that. And they're sent away. They're drove out. And there's no peace on earth. Your next villain. Heeding the fallen sound means realizing loss is the result of sin. Loss is. Is the result of sin There's a cost to your sin Well I've gotten away with it so far That may be God's grace A lot of times you pay for it in your body A lot of times you pay for it in your relationship A lot of times you pay for it in your life But guess what? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord And I want you to understand Those that do not know Christ This is the only heaven they have and so evil will and can succeed. Satan is the prince of this world. God is over him, and it will end one day. And we'll talk about that next week. Because right now, all we're hearing is the fallen sound. But if you're kidding yourself. You don't think there's a loss when you sin. Loss is the cost. And we have this broken, fallen sound. And we need to remember the fallen sound. And I've got some questions that I wanted to ask you today. See those 85 slides? Just slid by, didn't they? Okay, let look some questions here. Are you hearing the familiar? The familiar sound is this. Is yes, there is and has been peace on earth. That sound in Romans talks about all of creation is groaning. They know it's not right. And I know you hear it. But you may be trying to drown it out with stuff that will not fill your life with peace. Next question: Are you aware of evil's plan? I told you there's sometimes I'll be hanging around. With, I call them my list of people that God's put me with. I'm like, why are they acting like this? Or why suddenly can't I get a hold of them? Or why suddenly is this like this? Guess what? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody that doesn't know Christ, he wants to keep them a million miles away. And if you do know Christ, he wants to make you feel bad about your past. He wants to keep you involved in whatever you're involved in instead of focused on God. And he wants to bitch you because, Christians, you are dangerous. You are dangerous for the kingdom. And so are you aware that he has a plan? John 10.10 to 10, still kill the destroy them. I, I have come to give you life. And I have to give you with the other part of the verse. Next question. Are you taking responsibility? <coughs> In our society today, all you got to do, I wouldn't, is watch a reality show. It's funny to me, on some of these reality shows, they got them dead on camera and the person still lies. And they squeeze their way out of it. And guess what? It's time, adults. It's time for us to teach others, guess what? I was wrong. Please forgive me. Own it. Starts with God. If we don't take responsibility for ourselves... What is the lost world going to take responsibility to Christ for their need for Him? Are you taking responsibility? Next question. Are you counting the cost of sin? We need to think about that. We need to go through well, if I do this or this sin that I'm involved in, we need to take it to its end. How does that affect my witness? How does that affect my relationships, mainly with God? How will this affect my body? How will this affect my life? There is a cost to sin, and we need to count the cost. There's a cost to following God. There'll be loss in that, but God will recoup that part. We need to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow him. And so the question I have for you today is, have you heeded the fallen sand? See, this is the problem we're dealing with in American society today. We think everybody's okay and everybody's going to keep getting better and better. And that's a lie out of the good of hell. I know it bothers somebody, when, people when I say we're not good, but go to Jeremiah. The heart is desperately wicked and sick. We are not good. God created us good, and God is so good that he redeemed us. But any time, like that C.S. Lewis quote, we turn from God, we turn to bad. So wherever you're at, whatever you need to do, we need to heed the fallen sound that we live in a fallen world and we deal with fallen people. And they're dealing with us that are fallen people. And those of us that know Christ, the only good in us is the salvation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we need to help them hear the familiar sound that they can have peace with God. As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation. we need to heed It's the sound of God calling us to salvation and the sound of God calling us to follow him daily through his spirit. Lord, I ask however we need to be obedient today and be a part of this local body of imperfect unbelievers. Dear Lord, I pray if we need salvation, we'll choose it today. I pray if there's a need that we'll just lay it out from you and realize in heed in our fallenness that we need you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.